Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Tuesday, May 30th. Feels like Monday, but it's not. Congratulations, you're already at Tuesday. It's four minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can follow along on YouTube if you'd like and see the action. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Okay, so it is... uh an agreement in principle. That's what they're saying between Joe Biden and House Republicans. They've reached that agreement in principle on the debt limit and spending and the budget and, well, you know. So the agreement in principle is that (laughs) spending will go up, Mm -hmm. the national debt will rise by about $4 trillion, and it's going to take Democrats, in all likelihood, to get this deal across the finish line. It's the most Republican thing ever. They totally lied to the American people. They were never serious about getting spending under control because the Republicans are wholly invested in legalized vote buying, the same way the Democrats are. The Republicans are wholly invested in making sure no cuts that will affect their donors and lobbyists and special interests who prop them up are affected just like the Democrats are. This is the same team. It's the meme of the Spider-Man pointing pointing at spider-man pointing at each other it's that's what this is it was it's been obvious it's been that way for a very long time the republicans have not been serious about spending or government reform since the contract with america in in 1994 and that's who these people are it's why i checked out on on them a long time ago and we come on this radio show today being 100% correct, we've been telling you for months how this was going to end because this is who Kevin McCarthy and the majority of the Republicans in the House are. Mm-hmm. So I was just checking out Jim Banks and Todd Young and Aaron Houch and all of their Twitter feeds to now, see if they were talking tough. Now, no doubt, tough guy Jim Banks has been all over this because he was just so aggressive on how Republicans are for cutting spending and the debt and Democrats are for raising it. So no doubt, tough guy Jim Banks has been so vocal about how he plans to vote against this plan. No, nothing, huh. nothing. Uh, a lot of still Memorial Day oh. posts from everybody. Well, you know, I mean, it's only adding $4 trillion to the national debt. Why would we expect any sort of rush from uh, professional fake tough guy Jim Banks? Okay, well, the drama's not over. Speaking of rush, uh, they were supposed to get all the details last night, and Kevin McCarthy's saying that they're going to vote on this in 72 hours. Uh-huh. Because no doubt uh, this plan, 72 hours, is all it would take to understand it with the Mensa members and Rhodes Scholars and uh, just professional intellectual mega giants that run our nation, uh, no doubt your Congress will have a full grasp and understanding on what they're about to do. Okay, so there's this new Democrat coalition, and they're backing the deal between the Republicans and Joe Biden. This is my, I think my favorite part of all of this is McCarthy is going to need Democrat support to get this across the finish line. And again, there are no, this is, this is Casey... Correct me if I'm wrong. This is to the letter what we said was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You were you were spot on. It's dinner theater. Mm-hmm. And I'm spot on not because I'm the smartest guy in every room I walk into. I was spot on because I've watched these people and their behavior for years. I know what they are. I know that they don't care about you as an American 
at all. I know they are about themselves and their own preservation of power and preserving the growth of government. That is what the Republicans are about. That is what the Democrats are about. And they go through this little charade to try to make you think that they're actually giving you something on your behalf. They lied to you again. Now, this is a question. If you are a person who keeps voting Republican, this is a question for you. It's not a question for me. The majority of my ballot gets left blank now. Because I know what these people are, and I gave up on them a long, long, long time ago. But if you are a person who voted for Jim Baird or Jim Banks or professional office hopper Aaron Houchin or uh, perf uh, former Keel Brothers executive uh, Greg Pence or Rudy Yacom or Larry Bouchon, if you are a person who's voted for these people, when is enough enough? How many times do you have to be lied to? And by the way, them talking about these cuts... Uh, there was, a, there was a debt ceiling fight. This must have been in 2011. The Republicans had just been elected to the House of Representatives and the wave after Obamacare, and they had promised to get the spending under control. And remember, they made a deal with the Democrats and Republicans came together on a deal which said that if they both took what they, you know, the sacred spending. So the Republicans was the military and the Democrats, it was entitlements. And they said, if in the future we don't agree to spending cuts, these automatic cuts take place to our sacred things. So we are ensuring, it's the equivalent of, it's Chamberlain's peace in our time, right? We're ensuring that we are mandating these, uh, these cuts will happen if we can't agree to spending in the future. And nobody wants that, so we're guaranteeing you that was the, re the Republican guarantee. We got the Democrats on entitlement. You got us on the military. There's no way we can't have spending reform spending in the future. And the reform spending didn't happen. And you know what they said? We're not doing that. Yeah. And they just ignored it. Yeah. And that's what they're doing here. They're not going to get any reforms. You're not going to get any cuts. This, I mean, it's pathetic that they're hanging their hat on this work requirement from 49 to 54 as right. some, some great thing. You got to ask yourself, when is enough enough? If you keep voting for Jim Baird and professional office hopper Aaron Houchin and fake tough guy Jim Banks and Keel Brothers oil executive Greg Pence and Larry Bouchon and the rest of these jokers, you're telling them it doesn't matter how you abuse me. It doesn't matter how you lie to me. It doesn't matter how you don't uphold your end of the bargain. You're giving them permission to treat you like dirt. There was a lot of tough talk that we were going to cut spending back to 22 levels. <laughs> All the way back, right? All the way back to, you know, five months ago, six months ago. That didn't happen. They're saying for 2024, it'll be flat. And for 2025, there'll be an increase even. So remember I mentioned 2011. And this was the, the I mean, just the biggest lie of them all when they had, uh, we were carving these things out and there's no way there won't be spending reform in the future because neither side is going to risk losing either of these two things. Ron Paul, mm -hmm. uh, this is an interview, I think it was on Fox News, that Ron Paul did in 2011. And listen to how right he was about what was going to happen, about how none of this meant anything, because 12 years later, Casey, the same exact stuff thing. is still happening. Yeah. And this is a little longer than the clips that we normally play. But it was 12 years ago. And he was 100% right about how awful all of these people are. I'm sure you're uh, well aware of this little crisis that's brewing in uh, Washington these days known as the debt crisis. Right. Uh, what is your solution here, do you think? 
Well, there's no easy solution because it took them about 30 or 40 years to get into this mess. Uh, the solution is uh, we have to change the, our whole attitude about what the role of government ought to be. And uh, in the last 100 years, we've drifted from the original intent of the Constitution where government was to be limited and was there to protect our liberties. So we have a foreign policy that needs dramatically change. We can't be the policemen of the world. We shouldn't have a government that's dealing with our personal liberties and dealing and treating us the way they do at airports. We should have a different monetary system, and we certainly shouldn't go into deficits. We shouldn't be uh, doing central economic planning and willing to spend all this money that we don't have. So it's a major change that we need, but the major change is coming because the country technically is in bankruptcy. And what is your answer, though, on the debt ceiling? Do you think it should be raised? No, absolutely not. I've not voted for any of the spending, so I'm not going to vote to raise the debt limit, and that's only going to encourage them. And the argument for What's raising it is that it's so debt. Well, you know, they argue that it's going to, uh, you know, be devastating if we don't and we'll, we'll default. Uh, but I think the problems that we face if we continue to do what we're doing is much, much worse. And besides, we're currently defaulting constantly. We default when we de devalue the currency, and that is why our prices are going up. Although today, Bernanke claimed that inflation is only a couple percentage points. When you look at the free market economists, they claim that inflation is over 9% according to the CPI that we used to use. So there's still a lot of inflation. That means defaulting. Uh, on the people because they're getting paid money that loses its value. If they save money, they lose its value. And people who owe money get to pay back with cheap money. And uh, that's also the way, the way governments usually default on their debt. They devalue the currency. Very, very dangerous and, uh, and eventually ends up very badly with uh, a lot more inflation. The best president the U.S. missed out on. Yeah, well, and so what's interesting is he talked about the how the American people are being defaulted on mm -hmm. every day. And mm -hmm. I talked about that earlier in the show. And it is such a microcosm of how the government, the people in the government, will always allow you to suffer. They will never allow the government to suffer. And that is so true right here even in Indiana. When you think about what is the argument about the property taxes that you hear from people like Jim Lucas? Well, what? How would you fund the schools? How would you fund the police? How would you fund the fire? Well, and the other answer you get is we're looking into it. We're gonna we're gonna put a committee together. We're gonna investigate, and and we'll get back to you in a few years, just like they're doing with this. The government is invested, whether it is here in Indiana, and again. I don't know how more obvious we can make it this to you people, whether it's here in Indiana or nationally, how there are no, almost no difference between these these two parties. Th that whether it is here in Indiana, well, how would you fund the schools? The schools have more money than they've ever had before. How would you fund the police? The police have more money than, they would ever, than they've ever had before. You know who doesn't have more money than they've ever had before? Oh, you. Raise my hand. You. Same thing here. The government can't default on its debt. You're defaulting on the, Amer the American people every single day, and you don't care at all about that. That is the takeaway from this. Whether it's local, whether it's state, whether it's federal, these politicians could care less about your financial well-being, about your ability to afford food, about your ability to pay for gas. They do not care. The entity, the idea of government is always, whether it's Democrat or Republican, 
always more important to them than you. It's a lot of scare tactic, too, because Biden said that, you know, they reached this agreement to avoid catastrophic default. And then Mitch McConnell came out and he said, I strongly urge both chambers to pass this agreement. Let's keep moving forward. Is that really moving forward? It is for them because it ensures the continued growth of government. Mm -hmm. It ensures the continued support of the donors, the lobbyists, the special interests, the military-industrial complex that prop these people up. Uh, By the way, I'm shocked that Todd Young has not come out in support of this since his adult supervision. He loves spending money. We all know that every day when Todd walks into the U.S. Capitol, he and Mitch hold hands and he looks up (laughs) at him and says, What are we voting on today, Daddy? So I am shocked. The Todd Young has not issued a full-throated support of raising the, the debt ceiling. I'm sure it's coming at some point. The senator from Utah has vowed to use every procedural tool at his disposal to impede this. Mike Lee. Yeah, so there's some out there who are saying no. So we'll, we'll see. They're going to vote on it, according to McCarthy, in the next 72 hours after they read it. Maybe. It's 16 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 19 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Dylan Mulvaney in the news again. Uh, By the way, Bud Light 24 packs are going for $3.49 in some places. So you could say the price has dropped just a bit. Are you doing the thing that I do where you just now deliberately walk down the liquor aisle at the store to see how much Bud Light is readily available? Right. A lot. A lot. They've uh, Bud Light has launched their new uh, summer campaign. It has to do with a guy out by the pool, and he's on a Zoom call with his boss, and he's trying to hide the fact that he's really at a pool party. And then he goes and jumps in the pool and then comes back, and the boss says, is that a beer? And, oh, yeah, it's a beer. Never once did I hear him mention Bud Light. You just see the can. Hasn't this, isn't the staying power, like, we talk about this a lot when people um, worried about boycotts or people speaking out or whatever, and I always try to tell people, look, this, the, these people have an attention, society has the attention of a gnat, right? It might hurt you for a day or two, and then they go on your merry way. That's why I always tell people, if you're not sorry you said something, don't apologize for it. Worst thing you can do is apologize for something you're not sorry you said. And because it it dilutes your strength going forward. Now, if you're genuinely sorry you said something, by all means. But if you just do it because, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get canceled or I'm going to get boycotted, people move on to the next cause du jour. Mm -hmm. But this Bud Light thing. This is sticking. It has a lot of staying power. And most people are, you know, habit. You just go, okay, I'm going to be angry for a day or two, but, you know, that's my brand, and I'll go back to it. People are not going back to this. But Dylan Mulvaney has hinted that he's writing a book. Oh. And just yesterday, this was trending all over Twitter. He came out as straight. So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. So I tell my dad and he goes, well, I would love to see you get a woman pregnant. And I said, oh, no, no, no. She would be getting me pregnant. Okay, so there's some new biology for you. Someone needs some attention. Like I mentioned, He's considered writing a book. So well, let's, well, let's get my name out there again. So remember, Casey, what I told you. And again, I'm going to put this right in the camp with getting the property tax thing 100% right. I'm going to put this right in the camp with getting the debt ceiling thing 100% right. This guy 
reminds me so much. He is a far less talented, far less intriguing. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even putting them on the same planet, but I'm saying the troll of this guy reminds me so much of Andy Kaufman. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, I know we talk have talked about him a lot. He was one of my people who really inspired me. Andy Kaufman was a song and dance man. He was an actor. He was on Taxi in the in the seventies and into the eighties. He uh, his whole thing was this aura of mystique and intrigue. You know, he dressed up as other people. He refused to admit, even though everybody knew it was him, that it was him. And he he would always keep the audience guessing. He was essentially the first kind of giant troll in a pre-social media era. The difference is, he wasn't a bizarre. I can't even use the word. It starts with a P, mm-hmm. uh, like this guy is. And um, he, this guy has the total aura of an Andy Kaufman, like a less funny, less everything Andy Kaufman. Less talented. And, and I'm telling you, and desperately he, he's going attention. to come out one day, and it's everybody's going to finally, it's going to be revealed that this was a giant joke. And mm-hmm. it sounds like he's starting to get there. Yeah. Oh, it definitely sounds like it. That he always, when he does this stuff, he has this, I mean, let's, I mean, how bizarre is it that you've got a grown man dressing up like a little girl? I mean, that's his thing. It's not even dressed that he's dressing up like a woman. He's playing a little girl. It's gross. And he's always got this half smile on his face. It's almost like if you ever watch an episode of Seinfeld, Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld was a terrible actor. He would laugh during the lines because he was a terrible actor. Now it was Seinfeld, so it didn't matter. But this guy is the same thing. Like, when you watch him, he's got a ha- almost a half smile most of the like time. Like, he knows it's a joke. And he's making huge Bank. money off... off yes. He has... The way Andy Kaufman used to exploit the ridiculous, this guy, mm-hmm. is what he is, he's a man, mm-hmm. has latched on to how ridiculous this LGBTQ trans whatever activist community is, and he's exploiting it for all it's worth. And it is, I mean, the exact same vibe you would get from Andy Kaufman, only this is a very sick, bizarre, ridiculous world. He's not dressing up like Tony Clifton. He's dressing up like a little girl. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean. Which is a horrible example for little girls. Also trending this morning, don't know if you saw this yesterday, Notre Dame is going to have the number one above Grace Hall again. They won the men's lacrosse national championship yesterday, beating Duke. The Fighting Irish play like a champion today. Notre Dame with its first title in men's lacrosse. Now you're you're forcing us to listen to that because you like lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's fine. It's half your show. You can do whatever you want. But hey, Wish TV had it above the fold oh. on their website, so I well, thought, okay, you know what? It's Casey. State, you don't have to explain yourself. Statewide news. You took something that's very interesting <laughs> to you and seven other people, and you used our very valuable airtime for it. It's fine. It's half your show. I do that all the time. I think the score was like eleven to nine. Is that good? Yeah, I mean that's a high scoring game. It yeah. was pretty action packed. I saw the last couple minutes of How it. How exciting! All right, and finally trending this morning, Indiana Jones. In the Dial of Destiny, the trailer has been playing a lot. It's going to be in theaters on June 30th. Part of the trailer, not this part, but in part of the trailer, they've been using the Rolling Stones song Sympathy for the Devil, oh. which I'm not a fan of. It seems weird. I want to hear the iconic yes. uh, John Williams song, and, and then they've got this... Dun, da, 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 yeah, exactly. Da, da, da. But in the first part of the trailer, they've got a clip of the Rolling Stones. It just seemed out of place, but let's take a listen. <laughs> Gotta get there first. I can't do that! 
You want to stop for a little lie down? Okay, so Harrison Ford, 80 years old in this. Yeah. Are, are you over it? You're done? Well, I'm going to I'm going to ask you because I was having this conversation last night with someone. Uh, there's a video, many of our listeners sent it to me, of Bruce Springsteen taking a giant fall on stage. He's somewhere in Europe performing. And he looks like a very old man. Now, he played it off and he laughed about it. And, and I was looking at it and I was thinking, and I've, I know we've talked about this. He looks very old on this tour. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing with Springsteen was always, hey, super fit, super strong, super buff. The guy's going to play for three and a half hours. for three hours. Guy needs a shower after the first song. And he he is old, right? He'd be 73. And I watched this and he's kind of, I don't know, got something that resembles some love handles now. And I mean, you know, (laughs) compared to your average 73-year-old guy, he's pretty fit. But I, I would think... I don't want to see that. I didn't, you know. You want to remember them when they were young and in their prime. And the same thing here. Like, is there nostalgia of, oh my gosh, uh, he's going to be back. Harrison Ford is Dr. Jones and mm-hmm. he's going to do all the quirky one-liners and you're going to hear the theme song and he's going to ride a horse and he's mm-hmm. going to jump off a train. And yeah, but it's like seeing Johnny Unitas at, at the end with the Chargers or Mickey Mantle hobble around the bases in 1968. Do, do you, don't you want to remember yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. As when they were vibrant. That. Yes, yes. And this just taints that picture for yeah. you. Yeah. All right. When we come back, Casey, yeah. we have a new segment we're going to do. This is amazing. So producer Jason is with us this week. Mm-hmm. And um, Jason went down last week to Monument Circle and tried to find out who these, you know, we talk about Biden's bad poll numbers. Yeah, he's, uh, what, 30% say they want him to run again, but 66% in the country do not want to see him. And we often ask, yeah, we often ask the question, who are the 30%? Yeah. Well, we sent Jason down to Monument Circle, and (laughs) he found some people who are in the 30% who were willing Mm -hmm. to openly admit that they liked Joe Biden. And so when we come back, we're going to have a little man on the street. Jason's going to be with us, and we'll find out who these crazies are that like Joe Biden. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. I'm Rob Casey's here at Casey. Yeah. I have a new goal for this show. You do. And that is to get more in touch with our audience. Okay. Good goal. Because so often we talk about polling. Mm -hmm. We talk about how people are feeling. Yeah. And we just look at ourselves and go, what is wrong with our nation? (laughs) You have the answer. I mean, I think the clear cut one is the fact that, yes, Biden's poll numbers are in the toilet. Yeah. Yes, maybe th- uh, 30% of the country still approves of Biden. Uh-huh. But who are these people? <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? What happened to you as a small child? Uh-huh. How could you possibly still think Joe Biden's doing a good job? And so, with that in mind, we have a new segment we're unveiling on the show. It's a man on the street segment. I love it. We We're going to get to the bottom of this. We sent our one of our fabulous producers here at WIBC, producer Jason, who's here with us now. How are you, Jason? Doing fantastic, Rob. How are you doing you today? You have the gift of gab, you have the gift of a smile, and you have the gift of likability. And so we sent you down on the street, right here on Monument Circle, correct? Mm-hmm. That is correct. And you started asking people, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> 
I don't think he said that. <laughs> that wasn't the way it started. But, uh, yeah, that was the question because, you know, you, you talked about Joe Biden's poll numbers, how they're in the toilet. But I think most conservatives always still look at that and like, but where are these 30% coming from that, that think Joe's doing a good job? And you immediately think, well, maybe it's because they're all receiving welfare or something. But, you know, there's more people than 30% receiving welfare. So, therefore, there, there's got to be <laughs> some Republican. There's got to be some people out there that are not on the dole, the public dole, that, that, that do support Joe Biden. So, I thought, I'm going to go try to find these people. <laughs> Well, and did I, you just like single out people with pink hair? What's the I deal? just I stereotyped, <laughs> but I found them. <laughs> and I love the fact that you did it on Monument Circle, so you got a wide swath. Like if you were to go to say Hendricks County, it's going to be harder to find Biden supporters than on Monument Circle. It, it's actually easier than you think, Rob. <laughs> oh, it, it, yes, absolutely. But no, I, I thought I'd start on the circle because that is a good representative of Indianapolis. I think you get a lot of a uh, lot of different people on the circle. So I went down there and I thought, and they had the the bleachers set up for the 500 parade. So people were sitting there enjoying the weather last week uh, when you guys were having these discussions. So I I went down, took the recorder down there and thought, you know, I'll find somebody that's sitting on the bleachers so they can't run away. (laughs) You just walk right up to them. Walked right. You know me, Rob. I've got a very, (laughs) uh, very disarming. And totally disrupt their peace (laughs) and tranquility. But, but, well, my, my, my pitch was, hey, can you give me 60 seconds Mm -hmm. for an opinion poll? Okay. And so people are thinking, okay, 60 60 seconds, I can do this. And Let's uh, pl- until actually- the questions started flying. <laughs> yeah, we've actually got some of these, and these are just priceless. And Casey, it is, you're going to love this. It mm-hmm. is absolutely everything you would think it's going to be. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's take a listen. What's your name and where are you from? My name is Emily, and I'm from Lafayette. Oh, Lafayette. What brings you to Indianapolis? Just for today, you know, just helping out around the Salesforce Tower. Okay. Joe Biden is president. Do you think he's doing a good job? Yes, I do. And why do you think he's doing a good job? Could I not do this? <laughs> Let me ask you some other questions, if that's okay. I say, do you it. think Joe should run again as president? Uh, no, not as the Democratic candidate. <laughs> is there somebody else you'd like to see run in his place? You know who I really appreciate is Representative Jeff Jackson. Who? Jeff Jackson. Okay, why do you like Jeff Jackson? I really enjoy how on TikTok he has like these sort of fireside chats and he's really able to explain the full extent of every situation in a way that is easy to comprehend and digest, even if you're not always fully up to date with political happening. I have no idea where she came up with Jackson. <laughs> okay, so he's from North Carolina. Right, right. 14th district there. I've, I've it, seen him on TikTok as well. He's, yeah. a, he's a Democrat. He's a he's very a, charismatic a guy, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's kind of scary. So this lady had no answer for why really she supports Biden. I mean, I love the silence. And then it's some guy, because he's on TikTok, mm-hmm. from another state. Yeah. That's who she liked. North Carolina. Wasn't it interesting, though, she said, should Biden run again? And she said, not on the Democratic ticket. (laughs) Which ticket then? I didn't catch that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He's going to switch parties suddenly. Well, if you think she was stumped, the next guy was was even. So this is Tom. Oh, my gosh. These people. They're real people. They're amongst us. They're walking amongst us, and they're voting. Casey, listen to this. What's your name and where are you from? Uh, Tom from uh, Indianapolis here. Let's start with Joe Biden. Do you think he's doing a good job as president? Yes. Uh, What do you like about what Joe's doing? (laughs) Well, not necessarily even what he's doing. Why do you like Joe as president? (laughs) He speaks for what he he means. 
and I, I believe um, he has a sincere, really uh, a desire to do what is good for the country. You think Joe should run again, or would you like to see a different candidate on the Democrat side? Unless there's a, another candidate that would have the excitement uh, that could um, uh, excitement. draw people in, I, I don't see uh, who that would be, and, and Joe would be probably the preferred choice. And do you think this is headed toward another Biden-Trump general election? I think the Republican Party needs to have another candidate. Uh, we need to put that behind us, uh, uh, the issues, uh, divisiveness behind us. We need to come up with a, a candidate that can uh, look forward to, to what we can do as a country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Now, you notice he said, we and us, mm-hmm. talking about Not the Republican. Republicans. Yes. He's a Republican. What? See, that, that, that was the <laughs> twist at the end. That's why he couldn't answer what he liked about Joe Biden. Right, right. But, but he likes him as president, uh-huh. thinks he's doing a good job. Well, he's so, exciting. That, it's, uh, yeah. Now, now <laughs> if, if we have time, we'll, we'll hear from Tom again at the end and find out who his choice well, for a Republican so he, would be, Robin. You're going to love it. Okay, so here's what I want to do, because I want to absolutely uh, get to this first person you talk to, because we'll have you back tomorrow for more of these men on the streets, if that works out. All right, and, and we've got Mikhail. Mikhail is the, the, the cherry on the cake here. So, all right, so we'll do. We'll go with Mikhail, and then I want to close with the first person you talk to. Here we go. What's your name and where are you from? My name is Mikhail. I'm a resident, as we speak, of Indianapolis. Joe Biden, do you think he's doing a good job as president, or could he do better, or do, is he getting too much criticism? He could do better. <laughs> what could he do better? Have a more humane approach to governing. Mm-hmm. Do you think he should run again? No. Um, it, for me, age is becoming a factor, oh. and that applies to both him and Trump. Who would you like to see run on the Democrat side? I don't participate in politics uh, <laughs> here in this country. Okay. I, I perceive now to, this. It to be a gutter religion. So if you participate in it, you know, you're putting it, you're stepping into that swamp. Politics in America is a two-headed snake. He used the term swamp. <laughs> Two-headed snake. Who does he sound like? But but it gets better for Mikhail. We we've got to we've got to get the next quote from Mikhail. So I'm thinking maybe he's a conservative and and just just like Tom, I, I missed it. So I pushed forward. If you could handpick somebody to be president of the United States, somebody that could uh, communicate and maybe could bring both sides together, who would it be? I would put a gag on white people and have them sit and be quiet and I would let people of Native American descent, people of African descent and brown descent sit at the table with whites, but the black, brown and red would make the decisions. Okay. Enough, enough of the twisted thinking that has gotten us into this shit that we're in now. That is under the watchful eye of white leadership. And I don't mean just a white person. There's a mentality that goes with that. And the history of this country shows it. White mentality has said in the past, slavery's okay. White mentality in the past has said Jim Crow is okay. Now, of course, we know the Native Americans also enslaved Native Americans. Nobody turned it into the racial factor that it is today. 
you see that in the history of this country where they made race an issue. Well, that was uplifting. It was. Okay, so Jason. Did you have your face covered while you were talking to him? No, no, no. I was about two feet away from this gentleman. It started out very, uh, very cordial, and we mm-hmm. had a lot of smiling, mm-hmm. and just, you know, an older gentleman, impeccably dressed, had like a fedora hat, three piece suit on out there, just a very classic look. And, and we're just grinning and looking at each other, and then it started, the tone started changing mm-hmm. a little bit. And I'm still sitting there with a silly grin on my face, trying to. How do I slowly back out of this? So I, I I wasn't out there to debate or change anybody's mind, but I, I guess instinct just took over. I had to push back a little bit, but then uh, then I thought I would just back off and let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so you'll be back with us tomorrow, Jason, producer Jason, for the our this man on the street segment, because you got a lot more people that you talk to about how they're feeling about the president of the United States. And I asked some folks who would they like to have as a celebrity president if they could pick anybody they wanted, <laughs> non-politician, and we got some great responses. All right, perfect. On that. We'll, we'll have that tomorrow. Casey. Good stuff. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. 1149, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So, Rob, you had the opportunity at one point to interview Donald Trump. It was a great dream. That, that, those were his words, not mine. Right, right. And I'm wondering, when you did that interview, were you fanboying? Were you like super fan? Yes, and here's Drooling, why. Like- because I was in my early 30s and I worked for a community radio station. Mm-hmm. Like I was there because you are Trump's. This is why I always love when the people are like, uh, 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 Trump this, Trump that, you're a hater, blah, blah, blah. I was such a Trump supporter that I was picked to be the person. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't Tony Katz. It wasn't Dan Dockage at the time. It wasn't, it was Rob Kendall. That's mm-hmm. how big of a supporter I was. Now, I've been very clear. I was a supporter because I believe Trump would drive people who needed to be driven insane insane and would pull the mask back. And I wasn't, I didn't believe he'd be this phenomenal president or anything. But yes, I was asked and I was a total fanboy and a total homer because again, I wasn't presenting myself as some sort of serious commentator or journalist or I certainly wasn't some guy who'd been at it for 30 years like Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was a guy who worked at a community radio station. Well, Mark Levin does consider himself, though, a serious journalist. A well, he's a commentator, right? I mean, serious broadcaster, syndicated broadcaster, right. author. He's a yeah. He's I mean, he's a he's a best selling author. He's a best-selling author, and he has a nationally syndicated radio show. Mm-hmm. And this audio we're gonna, this audio we're gonna play for you with Mark Levin is a million times worse than what mine was with Donald Trump. And Mark Levin is a grown man, best-selling author, and he is like, I mean, it's worse than you with Vivek Ramaswamy. I mean, it's just, it's re- <laughs> listen to this. I've talked to a lot of important people: Supreme Court justices, presidents, presidential candidates brilliant people. And talking with you is really the most impressive conversation I've had. Number one, there's very few people who could sit there and speak the way you do from subject to subject to subject to subject. If people would let you speak and actually listen to you, while you have the enormous pressure on your shoulders of these grand juries and other things going on, and you still are able to do it, that is absolutely remarkable. And as you go through the history of your presidency, and I read these letters in this book, it was a phenomenal presidency. Phenomenal presidency. And the reason you don't get the credit that you deserve is because perhaps that's going to be up to history. 
when people look back and say, wait a minute, he was right about this and this and this and so forth. Is there a question yeah. coming? <laughs> I mean, look, look, look. Is this an interview or just? Trump was an okay president pre-COVID. The tax reform that he did was very interesting, and I think putting the onus on the businesses for the first time in American history was very good. The problem was it was not offset by any spending decreases, and he was adding hundreds of billions of dollars to the nation's debt every single year. He was growing government. So, look, we can be honest brokers. I mean, it, like it always amazes me. I can't believe you would betray Trump like that. He's not a king, and he's certainly not a god. He's a man. He was an elected official who did some things that were okay, and he did some things that were horrific. Mm -hmm. And we should be, as adults, able to look at someone's record and have an honest conversation about what they did and about what they proposed and about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Do you think that was going to be an honest conversation I mean, that's with pathetic. they were having? He said, if people would let you speak, and I'm sitting there waiting for Trump to speak, and <laughs> a couple things during this setup, Trump is just sitting there, like waiting. <laughs> are, are you are you going to ask me a question? Are you are you going to let me talk? But if you're Mark Levin, would you have tweeted that out? Like well, that's, that's like we had Jefferson Shreve in here last week, and that's like tweeting out just. Our banter saying how wonderful he is and fantastic in this Wendy's. Thank you so much. No, tweet out the answers that Jefferson Shreve gave us. And isn't that <laughs> pathetic? Weird. I, mean, I mean, someone of Mark Levin's stature mm -hmm. to essentially grovel in front of a politician. There's no way Mark Levin, and if he does, he's not nearly as smart as I always thought he used to be, to, to praise Trump. I mean, Trump's first term pre-COVID was okay. There were many good things that happened. There were some horrific things that happened. And in the wash, was he better than other presidents? Yes. Was he worse than some presidents? Yes. But my goodness, the COVID stuff, the spending, I mean, for the people, Trump didn't lock anyone down. Trump paid the tab. It's like, if you're if you're paying a hitman, did you actually commit the murder? No, but did your money facilitate the murder? Yes. And in this case, Donald Trump's federal checks facilitated the murder of the American economy. They facilitated the lockdowns and the shutdowns would have never been able to happen without the guarantee from Trump. So Trump is just as guilty as Eric Holcomb of it. He wanted it. We played the clips the other day, Casey, about yes. how proud he was of I it. I know, I know. And somebody saying Trump never locked and shut the country and down. Yes, he did. That's incredibly scary that people are so wed to a politician that we can't even have an honest conversation with some people about his actual record. There's no excuse for what Trump did. There's no excuse. Well, he didn't know. No, your principles and your conviction to the Constitution and the freedoms and liberties and rights of man don't go out the window because there's some virus that you don't totally understand. Trump put Fauci in charge. No one held a gun to his head and made him do that. Trump was all for the masking. He was all for the church, you know, the churches being shut down. I mean, all the, it's just, uh, it just amazes me that people continue to grovel at this guy's feet. He needs to be held to account the same way Joe Biden needs to be held to account, the same way Obama should be held to account. 
We can't be in this worship culture of these politicians. This is why they run all over us. Well, and that's where Mark Levin was. And now that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Yes, we're paying the tab. I mean, you can't take him seriously at that. You know, like after that setup, anything that any question that he asked. Gosh darn it, Casey, we didn't get to the fact that weddings cost $29,000. Now I have to save that for tomorrow. Yeah, we can save that for tomorrow. Good luck, Kevin! Also the new Martin Scorsese movie. we got to talk about that. All right, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening today. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.